We've just concluded our 66 books of the Bible, Jesus revealed in each and every book, and I'm at a loss. Now that I've finished that, I don't know what to talk about, so thanks for coming today. No, uh, I felt the Lord was just stirring some things, the love, serve, give. We, we made these shirts a while back, and that's going to be the focus for the next month to really talk about what it is to love, to serve, to give. The fact that you're here today, go ahead and pass the books down if you would. If you've not already done so, take out your note cards. Um, but the fact that you're here this morning gives way for on some level of your life, you are pursuing a life that is inspired by God. We want to live lives that are inspired by God. That's why we gather to worship, because we want to live lives that are inspired by God. That's why we have devotions. That's why we spend time in prayer. Aren't you glad God sent his son to make a sacrificial entrance for us to step into the place where we can be inspired by God? Because of his sacrifice, we are able to press in and be inspired, live lives that are inspired by God. It's amazing. Our Father. That's what I feel like the Lord is saying uh, this morning as I was praying, that he kind of wants to have a fatherly chat with us, to bring us into greater alignment with the things that are really in his heart. Now, I want us to not just hear rhetoric today. I'm not here to make up a speech for you. I've really been alone with God, listening. And I want to say that again. I want you to hear it tuning in your ears beyond the rhetoric sound of the preaching sermon message. This is what we do. God wants to talk to us. Our Father wants to have a conversation with us as His family. We're the family of God. And He wants to bring us into alignment with some things that are really in His heart. That means we follow His example. So He made the sacrificial provision for us to live lives that are inspired by Him. So what I want to ask you today is a pretty simple question. But does your life inspire other people? He made a sacrificial provision so that our lives can be inspired by him, setting the example for us then to live sacrificial lives that will inspire the lives of other people. So Lord, I just pray that you would awaken within us what you desire to awaken within us. I I felt so strongly this week, God, that you spoke to me you were going to activate another dimension of a lifestyle of loving, of a lifestyle of serving, of a lifestyle of giving. Even as we enter into this next season as a church family, help us, Lord, to embrace everything you desire to release among us and within us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. So we're going to take this next month, and we're going to talk about this together, walk this out a little bit get a picture of. I felt like uh, as I was kind of looking it over that it might be more of a conversation than it is preaching a sermon, which would be very unusual for me because I like to scream and yell. Uh, We'll see how that all unfolds. Uh, I don't have any plan for a certain delivery style, but I just know God wants to have a bit of a chat with us. And so I want to share with you um, my focal point here is that we would learn to be the Jesus movement to our generation. So what I'm trying to do as an executive pastor, lead pastor, guy in the team here with our eldership structure. I'm evaluating what this looks like as we're going into the year 2018. I'm going to ask you today as your action point to begin to pray. We're now officially into the final quarter of 2017, 
And our focus this year has been love is our source, and we're going to talk about that today. But I want you to begin to pray in your life for next year, 2018. Now is the time that you begin to ask God, not just for New Year's resolutions that begin in January, which are fine if you want to do that, but for a New Year's revelation. What does God want to speak to you about this coming year? And this is kind of in alignment with what I'm sensing God is wanting to stir within our church. I'm going to start to introduce that uh, by way of various conversations and messages that we're going to walk through together. But, but the thing that we need to understand is God wants to do this strategically and instrumentally. So there are four things that, as a, as a lead pastor, that I'm going to focus on. And, and I've not even shared this with anybody yet, I just, I've, I, and I was struggling with why I even explain it this morning, uh, but I just felt the Lord was just wanting to reveal something of the nature of what He's trying to accomplish. And so there are four things that I'm going to begin to really pray about, four things I'm going to begin to really ask God for wisdom about and have conversations with our leadership team and invite anybody's input in this regard so that we can faithfully venture in to what God has called us to. Number one, are we effectively embracing and releasing the next generation church? That begins, I walked down the toddler hallway today and I looked at some next generation church leaders. We believe that children of today are leaders of tomorrow, just as leaders of today were children of yesterday. So are we effectively embracing and releasing the next generation church of all ages, children and youth? We've got our youth conference coming. You'll hear more and more about that in just a few weeks. That's very important. There's a table out there. Please take a look. How can you be involved? How can you be engaged? There's going to be an entire executive leadership track that is for everybody, and we hope you will all plan to come. This is not just for the youth. In the conference that I was speaking in this weekend, I, I said to, to those leaders and pastors, I said, this is for you. Come to Oklahoma City. People People are coming up afterward. They're going to make the trip. People will be coming from various places. It's going to be a great time. And what we want to do is focus in on how we can embrace and release the next generation. The second thing I'm going to really begin to pray into and, and ask the Lord for wisdom is how are we effectively developing leaders? Developing leaders. People to understand what leadership is all about. And the Lordship of Christ establishing the leadership gifts that are within us. The third thing is about fruitful multiplication. How are we fruitfully multiplying the gifts that are here? How are we helping people be fruitful? The Bible says be fruitful and multiply. Are you fruitful? Do you multiply? <laughs> and so we want to ask that question and, and look at that question, and I'll talk a little of that today. And then the fourth thing is a really challenging one for pastors, for people that do what I do. Um, how are we bringing an extended expression of who we are as a church? Not just how are we providing children's ministry for our congregation, but how are we expressing that in our community? How are we doing whatever we're doing? Music, youth, kids, you know, whatever that looks like for us, how are we bringing an extended expression? I believe God doesn't want the church just to camp out in the four walls of the church. I believe a healthy church in any community brings transformation of that community. Can I get some help today? That's the plan God has. We're not just trying to rally people out of the community to come sit in our seats and be inspired. We want people in these seats to be empowered to go out into the community and bring transformation in every single direction. Part of that is you individually finding your place where you work and where you shop and where you, you know, what you do every day in your life. But another part of that is our rallying our gifts together in a culminated expression that moves beyond these walls. And I'm not exactly sure how to go about that. 
but I will tell you there's something stirring in my heart that we're going to move in that direction. So in your first blank, it aligns with this very well. If we're not careful, we simply find ourselves going through the Jesus motions without ever becoming the Jesus movement that he's called us to be. But we are the Jesus movement to our generation. We're the giant killers, and we are, we're the ones that move the mountains in our generation. And so we want to be, we're not just going to sit back and say, oh God, let there be a Jesus movement. Oh God, I hope there's a Jesus movement. Come on, we are the Jesus movement to our generation. That's who we are. Everywhere we go, we're the expression of Christ. God is going to activate something within us to take us to another dimension of loving, of serving, and of giving, seeing it from a different standpoint and a different perspective. Are you willing, I'm asking you, are you willing to allow him to do that in your heart? Don't just hear the rhetoric. I'm going to challenge you not to just hear the rhetoric. I don't want you to numb up on me here. Um, we're not in a dentist chair and you're about to get a cavity and I just gave you a shot of Novocaine and now you're numbing up to endure the pain of all the conversation. No, I want to ask you personally, individually, each of us, all of us, I'm going to say it very specifically the way the Lord revealed it to me. God is going to activate something within us. Do you believe that? Amen, and so be it, means that belongs to me. God is going to activate something in your heart. Amen. And he is going to take you to another dimension, another expression and another dimension of loving, serving, and giving as the expression of Jesus in the earth. Amen. So be it. We receive that over this church family, over our lives. I had somebody tell me one time when I first started pastoring, they, they said, you are so serious about all of this. I want you to know I have always been very serious about all of this, and I will forever be very serious about all this because there is something eternal at hand that we must embrace. We are not human beings having a spiritual experience trying to apply a faith to our lives. We are spiritual beings who are going to live forever having a human experience that's very temporal in nature. My question is, are we living for the eternal values that God desires for us? us to understand. It changes everything when we get that in our hearts. So today we start with love. Love, serve, give. Love. Love is our source. So we've talked about this all year, 2017. Love is our source. When people give you kindness, it's easy to give them what they have given you and to be kind to them. But when people are hateful to you, you have to choose to give them what God has given you instead. I mean, you know, people can be hateful. People you love can be hateful. Every one of us are capable of being hateful. But when we are able, and I, I mean, this is maturity, isn't it? Maturity, you know, you see two small children, and they start elaborately fussing back and forth, arguing, oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 and back and forth, and like that just goes on way too much in adults. I'll just say it again, I haven't seen anything recently, but get over your social media expressions of immaturity. Don't entertain arguments online. It's not going to do anybody any good. It just makes you look like a fool. I think our father's having a little conversation with us. That's something a daddy would say. As a father to the house, I want to say to you, do not act like toddlers and argue and bicker back and forth. Come on. 
When people give us kindness, it's easy to give them kindness, but when they're hateful or unkind to us, we have to give them what God has given us instead. And what this speaks of is our willingness to allow the expression of our lives, hear me loud and clear, what this speaks of, giving somebody what God gave me instead of what they're giving, what that speaks of is our willingness to allow the expression of our life to be born from a source within rather than a reaction to what's happening around us. And we react way too much to situations around us and then ask God to bless our lives. And he's not even the source of what's going on in our lives because we're living in such reaction to whatever it is that happens. Your marriage will be better if you'll stop having a reaction to the situation and allow God to be your source. Your friendships will be better if you'll stop having a reaction to everything and you'll let God be your source. Your workplace will be better. Your neighborhood will be better. Your marketplace will be better. Your restaurants will be better. Your life will be better if you will let God be your source. This happens within us, and I, I want you to dig deep. Even as uh, Haley came up and she said, just go deeper. I, I felt the Lord speaking to me this last week in preparation for our 6 o'clock prayer on Tuesday mornings. We're going to take a little bit of time over these next few weeks, and we're going to press in just a little more. There's a certain level that we pray, and then we just need to be tenacious and press in a little more. How many of you know many times it's that last little push that actually takes you in? In any area of your life. It's easy to give 90%. It's the final 10 after you're 90% given and 90% tent, uh, spent and 90% tired. Then that final 10% to give your best and press in. That's when you really break through. And I want you to dig deep as you hear this. I'm going to read a verse that you've heard. It's on your, your form. It's going to be on the screen. And I don't want you to hear the rhetoric. You hear I keep asking you not to just listen to the rhetoric. You can hear sound and not pay attention to the voice. God wants to speak and release something. And I want you to, to, to ponder what's happening in your heart as I say this, Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon that is formed against you will prosper. What are you allowing to be awakened in your heart as I release that wave of warfare against the enemies to your soul? No weapon formed against you will prosper. See, the more convinced you are of God's Word, the more your reality is born from within, within of the deposits He makes in your life. No weapon formed against you will prosper. No weapon. There are weapons formed against you. Life ain't easy. And if faith for you is taking the easy path, and every time something happens, you get angry, and you get, you know, this, and you're just controlled by your waves and situations, I'm just saying today it's time that we all take a step forward in greater maturity. I'm asking God to help me be more mature in these regards, but I want my reality to be born from within. I don't want you or anybody else in control of my attitude. I want the source of my life to be the power and the presence of God Almighty, how about you? Come on, help me today. We're just going to hiss the enemy away. We're going to slap the stupor of confusion. We want to see some clarity today. 
The more convinced you are of God's word, the more your reality is born from within your life as opposed to the circumstances and the storms that surround your life. Storms are inevitable. Courage is optional. This becomes the lifestyle of every believer the more they believe. This becomes the lifestyle of every believer the more they believe. So what does this have to do with love? I'm talking about love, and we're, we're, des- we're describing the reality of our existence that actually is to be born from within. It has everything to do with love because love is not easy. Love is painful. Love is sacrificial. Love is an expression that does not take into account what you've done to me because love is born in my heart out of an attitude of faith because of what He has done for me. That's mature love. We know what it is to have a faith. We live in a society that's really good at talking about a faith that we have. But do we really know what it is to live by faith? I have a faith, and I believe in God, and this is my life, and my faith affects my life. That is very different from I live by faith. My life is a sacrificial expression of his love, and I live by faith. I'm not making decisions to love people because they're nice to me or because they love me. I'm making decisions to love people because that's who Jesus is deep in my soul. Something in me in a place of maturity is being awakened. God is activating something in us today. Do we really know what it is to live by faith? This is where circumstances no longer take control of the resources of our lives. You have resource. You have emotional energy and resource. If you've gotten into the online exchanges like I'm referencing, then you know what it is. Your emotional energy keeps coming back, waiting for somebody to respond to, and then they respond, and then you respond, and then you come back, and you're waiting for them to respond, and oh, I can't wait to get my response. You are wasting so much energy in a fight that has nothing to do with your destiny. That winning that battle is not going to take you anywhere. Stay the course. Focus on the cross. Do what God has called you to do in your life. Circumstances will not take control of the resource of our lives. God is in control. Next blank, you were never created to live out a life you could live without God's help. This is not about applying Bible principles to my life. This is about Paul's statement in Corinthians, I strive to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Like, Jesus took hold of your life. Tiffany has been in the car with my family this weekend. We've been driving, and, and, and I actually made reference of this uh, verse, and, and Tiffany is today, 365th day, completely sober. Come on. One year. No, you ought to just celebrate. Come on. Come on. (laughs) 
Tiffany, you don't see, but there are people standing in your honor behind you as you're, as you're sitting here in this moment of celebration of a year. And there are those things that God took hold of Tiffany for that she needs to discover. She's not just living her life trying to stay free. She's living her life according to the purposes of God. And freedom becomes the result of being intentionally focused and mature about the call of God in her life. How about you? The enemy is such a liar, and he's always trying to get us to navigate through these immature emotions that keep us constantly on the move and constantly uninvolved with this friendship. And they made me mad, and I'm going to go over here. They made me mad. I'm going to go over here. And everybody that makes me mad, I'm just going to avoid them. You are immature, and you need to grow up in your love. Do your circumstances have control of your life? Do your circumstances, or does Jesus have control of your life? I'll give you a few questions. This will help you kind of evaluate and assess maybe the level of maturity and expression. Everybody doing okay? I know I'm making some people mad. I hope I'm making everybody mad, at least a little bit. This is not a comfortable day for you to show up and just have a pat on the back. Just keep being the best you can. Apply a little Jesus. Jesus is not a vitamin. He is oxygen. He is not a supplement to your life. He is your source of life. And if you don't get that, you'll never know the life he's called you to live. Come on. Do your circumstances have control of your life? Here, here are a few questions. Do you love only those who love you? Do you love only those who love you? It's called the law of reciprocal of. I'll get it right. The law of reciprocal affection. I like you because you like me, not because I like you. Therefore, I really only like you because I like me. I love you because you love me. We don't have friends of people that we like. We have friends of people who like us. You understand what I'm saying? Maturity understands this and recognizes this. I'm not just going to go hang out with everybody who strokes my feathers all the time or you know, makes me feel good about me all the time because if I'm doing that, then I'm only loving people because they love me. Therefore, I'm actually loving me. You're more mature than that. God, there's more to you than that. Do you love only those who love you? Do you serve only when it is convenient for you? Do you serve only when it is convenient, or do you understand sacrificial service? Let me just say again, we live lives that are inspired by God because of the sacrificial expression that he made to invite us in. Therefore, we follow that example, and we make a sacrificial expression to invite others in so they can be inspired by our lives that are inspired by God. Even though they don't know God, they are inspired by God because it's his inspiration in our lives that inspires them. Do you love only those who love you? Do you serve only when it's convenient? And do you give in a way that is worshipful and sacrificial? Yes, I'm talking to you about your giving. God's plan is for you to every time you increase, bring a tithe of your increase and express that as a sacrificial expression of worship to the Lord your God. We're not going to pass buckets in front of you. You are going to have to be intentional about worshiping God with your increase. And I encourage you, discover the power of worshiping God with your increase. It is so important in your life. 
This is all about legacy. This is all about heritage. It's interesting, that verse. Let me just say it again and listen. I want you to sense what's going on inside you. Because what, what happened a while ago when I read this verse about no weapon you know, prospering against you, you hear that and you, you're thankful for that. But then I start slapping your enemies upside the head that are right beside you, and you start to feel a little bit of it. You understand no weapon, will form, no weapon the enemy has formed against you will ever prosper. But you're going to have to understand, sometimes it's all too easy for us to find ourselves sleeping with the enemy. No weapon that is formed against you will prosper. Do you understand what that means? Do you understand there are some weapons? The enemy doesn't form a weapon against you and say, here's a weapon, I'm going to get you. He forms a weapon against you and introduces it to you as a seducing friend that tries to worm his way, her way, into your life and control your way of thinking, causing you then to justify your behavior that separates you from God and keeps you in a constant state of immaturity. Come on. Come on. We just hiss the enemy away. I want to make this statement loud and clear. Every Goliath you don't fight will live to fight your children. Every Goliath you don't defeat will live to fight the next generation. That's why sons and daughters act like their mamas and daddies, and they don't even realize they're acting like their mamas and daddies because what's in your life shows up in your kids. It's pattern, it's behavior, it's emotional immaturity, it's emotional maturity, it's spiritual immaturity, it's spiritual maturity. It's there, it's deposited. I want you to hear, because no weapon formed against you will prosper. That's verse 17. Let's just go a few verses earlier, and let's look at the context. I love to look at the context of these verses that are kingpin verses in our lives so that we can understand a little more clearly what God is trying to reveal. Uh, verse 13 and 14. All your sons, speaking, all your sons and daughters will be taught of the Lord. Aren't you glad? Somebody amen. Now, we're releasing something to the next generation. All your sons will be taught of the Lord, and the well-being of your sons and your daughters will be great. In righteousness, you will be established. You will be far from oppression, for you will not fear, and from terror, for it will not come near you. No weapon formed against you will prosper. Now I'm understanding something I didn't see when I just plucked that single verse right out of the context of that particular chapter that the prophet Isaiah is revealing to the body of Christ. This is not just about you. This is about your children. This is about your children's children. I just want to say I'm drawing a line in the sand, and I'm declaring the devil's not going to cross the line to get me or my kids. You've got to do this his way. You can't do this your way. This is not about having a faith. This is about living by faith. This is about being shaped on the inside, dealing with things in your life that need to be dealt with today so that those things don't live on in the lives of your children. My insecurities exist, and I expose them routinely to trusted men and women of God so that my insecurities can be nailed to a cross so that they don't come back to life in the lives of my sons and daughters. I'm yelling again, aren't I? <laughs> I want to point something out of this verse. 
I have about two more hours to preach. I'm going to try and put it all in to a brief segment here to conclude. But I want you to pay attention. This is so huge. This is something we miss. We read and we don't pay attention even to the progressive order of what God is revealing. Did you catch it? Isaiah 54 verse 14, in righteousness you will be established. Important progression here. You will be far from oppression for you will not fear. You will not suffer oppression because you do not fear. You will not suffer oppression because you do not fear. It doesn't say you won't fear because there'll be no oppression. That, that's the way I think it should be. No oppression. Oppression is, you know, just any kind of pressure, anything trying to hold me down, anything trying to keep me back, any weapon formed against me. But those things won't be there, therefore you'll not fear. That's not what it says. It says you won't suffer oppression because you do not fear. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you recognize how important this is that we would understand God is always trying to deal with what is on the inside? I will not fear, therefore I will not be oppressed. I will walk in faith, therefore oppression will not touch me. God is always trying to deal with what's on the inside because what's going on in our hearts is the key to dealing with what's going on in our lives. God is always trying to deal with what's going on on the inside because the key to dealing with what's going on in our lives is dealing with what's happening in our hearts. And if he can deal with what's happening in our hearts, you understand oppression robs us of God's very best. And when what happens is oppression starts to befriend fear, and fear creeps in your life, and oppression holds you down, and fear keeps you further under this oppressive force and, and sense of, am I ever, is this ever going to happen for me? Are the, I'm speaking to somebody today. Are the promises of God really for me? That is a lie from the pit of hell in the, in the cloak of fear, and it is embracing oppression, and you are going further down, and I say today, it is time to start climbing up. You can go up. Stop with the fear. Embrace the faith. Start to rise up out of those oppressive states in your life. Storms of life do not take control of who I am because the great I am is a part of who I am. Jesus can go into the storm and say, peace be still, because the storm never got in his heart. There was something in his heart stronger than the storm. It was the presence of God, the peace of God. What is in your heart? Because fear opens the doorway for that oppression to start to come into your life. See, fear and oppression are friends. They're buddies. Fear and oppression, they, they hang together. I don't know if you know, but I've learned troubled friends tend to introduce me <laughs> to more troubled friends. Have you figured that out? I, I have a friend who's not into church. But he's okay that I lead a church because I'm kind of a non-church church leader guy in his view. He tells me, you're not very religious. I like that. So not too long ago, he introduced me to a friend of his. And this friend said, I hear you're a church leader that's not so religious. I have some questions for you. We began to have a conversation. In the middle of the conversation, he looked at me and he said, 
I am Beelzebub. <laughs> to which my other friend looked at him and said, you're who? <laughs> he's not, not church, so he doesn't understand. And I said, he's telling me he's Satan. <laughs> and, and I mean, it was quite an interesting conversation. Troubled friends introduce you to troubled friends. <laughs> <laughs> this is why you need to understand that fear and oppression are troubled friends. Have you ever been friends with somebody and then like something happened and you were no longer friends with them and then their friends weren't friends with you anymore either? Has that ever happened? So that's what happens when you break up like a friendship breakup with one friend, then their friends no longer want to be friends with you because they were friends with them, not you. Today, we're breaking up with fear, and oppression is going to find it awkward to be around us. That's what's happening. We are purposing today. We are breaking up with fear. And oppression will still try to come around, but like when the friendship's dissolved and then their friend tries to come around, and it's so awkward, hey, hi, really weird, okay, see ya. That's you in oppression. It's just really awkward. I mean, you've been close before. It's like been soothing. His voice has been soothing to you before, seductive. All of a sudden, it's just awkward. Because fear is the opposite of faith, and faith is the opposite of fear. And when we move into a state of fear, we embrace fear's buddy called oppression. But when we move out of a a state of fear, into a state of faith, then we embrace that which is the opposite of oppression, and that is called blessing. Huh. Storms in life do not have the power to take control of who you are. Perfect love casts out fear. So this year, as we enter into this fourth quarter, I want to ask you to begin praying about your 2018 New Year's revelation. And I want you to ask, how can I more effectively love, serve, and give? How can I more effectively love, serve, and give? And I want to be straight up with you and let you know, this is our deep conviction as a church family, that we help people understand the importance of loving sacrificially, serving sacrificially, and giving sacrificially. So you'll get a letter from me in the next week or two. It's the third quarter conclusion letter of the year. In that letter, it'll talk about your giving this year. You'll get a statement. You'll see what you've given in the first nine months of, of 2017. I invite you to look that over and evaluate what your tithe should look like and what your records indicate and where you are on all of that. But you're not just going to get that as an expression. I, I want to challenge you to think about this because we're starting to make some projections with where we're going in 2018. Very specifically with what we're wanting to accomplish and what we feel like God's asking us to accomplish. So in that letter, you're also going to have a pledge card. And on the first Sunday in November, we're going to come together and express our intentions for 2018. I'm not asking you to do anything other than what you feel the Lord's asking you to do. But in addition to that, you're going to get what will now be called a connect card. We still call it a merge card, I think. Uh, but the merge card is going to start to be called the connect card because it's how we connect. It makes a little more sense. It doesn't require much explanation. 
And we're going to include those two things in the letter so that you can begin to personally, before the Lord, as your ministry expression to Him, evaluate what is God asking of me as a part of this church family for 2018, and how can we effectively partner together to see His kingdom expand in the earth? We are here to see the work of God expand in the earth. That's why we exist. In this worshipful expression of a sacrificial life, gathering together as a family, don't just hear the rhetoric of this statement. This worshipful expression of a life lived under the banner and expression of sacrifice is an expression of worship that awakens something within each and every one of us and all of us. It's not going to be easy. You're not going to feel like showing up when you're on a schedule. You're not gonna, it's not always going to be convenient whenever you get your paycheck and there's increase and you need to be, honor the Lord with your tithe and with your offering so that we're finishing our kids' ministry area back there. It's not always going to be convenient. I'm not asking you to consider convenience. I'm asking you to be sacrificial about the way you worship the Lord because that awakens something about the way you live your life. I want you to think about somebody you know who's generous. If you think of anybody in, in your, I just know this person is, I have somebody's face in my mind right now that they are generous. I will guarantee you, whoever you're thinking about that's generous is smiling in your mind's eye. Because generosity possesses a certain disposition. And then if you think of somebody, they're definitely not generous. The way they live is just not generous at all. Those are two very different lives. <laughs> God wants us all to learn and explore the sacrificial, loving, serving, giving nature of Jesus that he's deposited within us that is being activated today, even as I speak. Let's stand together. Let's speak to the storms that have tried to invade our lives. Some of you in this room have suffered a relational storm. I want you to not let that storm take hold of your heart. I want you to let God have complete control of your heart. And I want you to speak to that storm. Some of you are facing financial storms. I want you to not let that storm enter your heart. I want you to let something within you rise up and speak to the storm. And this happens when we allow Jesus to have control of what's going on instead of letting the circumstances around us have control of what's going on. It's the basis of everything I've said this morning. So come on, let's just surrender to his heart, to his voice, to his nature, to his loving kindness. Lord, we don't have this figured out. We're doing the best we can. And because we're your people in the earth, we're the best you got. And I thank you that that's enough. You're the master at doing more than we thought you ever could with less than we thought you ever needed. So we just want to bring our hearts and our lives in a posture of surrender before you and say, Lord, use us to see your kingdom expand in the earth. Help us to understand what our role is in that regard. In Jesus' mighty name, Jesus' mighty name.
Or maybe you're here today and you say, I am just not where I need to be in my relationship with Christ. I need to make a decision to follow him today. And we had three salvations last week. Three people who said, I don't know Jesus. I want to know Jesus. That is wonderful. But we need three more and three more and three more. We need to win the world to the love and the life of Jesus Christ. If you're here in this room and you are not walking with God, I want to invite you. Let's all pray this prayer. And let's all respond in this regard. Every one of us taking a step forward. Come on, let's just pray. Everyone say this out loud. Lord Jesus, you came, you lived, you suffered, and you died so that we might live. You're alive. You're who you say you are. You're the Messiah. You came to rescue me from myself and from my sins that I might live for the eternal purposes of God. Let that be activated in my heart today in an entirely new dimension. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Come on, just thank you. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord Jesus.